Welcome to the HT Cambridge podcast. For more information, see our website, htcambridge.org.uk. There are two passages in our Bible reading today. And uh, the first one is in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 to 10. And you'll find that on page 777. And the second one is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, starting at verse 11. And you'll find that on page 442. So you might like to find both of those before we start. So starting with Jeremiah, chapter 18, and verse 1, on page 777. At the potter's house. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. O house of Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted. And if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. And then reading from 2 Chronicles chapter 7 on page 442, verse 11. The Lord appears to Solomon. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague upon my people, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It's lovely to see you all. Um, We are going to be spending this morning looking at prayer. 
But um, just as we were worshipping then, um, I sort of had a feeling that some of you uh, might need to be a little bit encouraged, especially some of the students among you. So just before I start my sermon, I just want to share a little bit of a story with you. Um, my husband, Tom, uh, was here at university in Cambridge, uh, in his college, and um, he was very much into his sport and his drinking, and uh, very, very much not uh, a Christian. In fact, he would go to the Christian Union events just to get the free food, and then would leave before he had to listen to the talk. I suspect some of you know people like that. Um, and I suspect if you'd spoken to some of the Christians in his year and said, who probably do you think is one of the least likely people to become a Christian, they may well have pointed at Tom and said, probably him. Uh, well, fast forward a few years, uh, and God worked in my husband's life in the most amazing way. That's not my story to tell. But we then met in London when he was attending a big church in London, and I was, uh, and we met and got married. And I just want to tell you that story to encourage you, because I suspect there are lots of you here who are praying for your friends, and you're thinking, is this ever going to happen? Is there ever going to be breakthrough? Can God ever work in their lives? And I'm here to tell you that, yes, he can, and he will, and you may not ever even see the fruit of it. But as a future spouse of one of those people that you're praying for, I want to say thank you, because your prayers change lives and change families. And our children are growing up, and they're coming to church, and they're knowing Jesus. And it's all because of the prayers, I think, of some people who may never know the end result of their prayers. So I just wanted to tell you that to encourage you. So before we start, why don't we pray? Father, thank you that you long to speak to us. Thank you that you are here by your Holy Spirit. Would you just come now? Would you help us to fix our eyes on you and listen to what it is that you're wanting to say? And most of all, Lord, would you inspire us all to really start praying for our nation? In Jesus' name, amen. So as we heard in that video that we saw before the worship, today marks the beginning of a nationwide week of prayer that's been instigated by the Archbishops of Canterbury and of York. It's called Your Kingdom Come. And the idea is that churches throughout our nation are very intentionally praying for our nation and our society, specifically that God's kingdom, his rule, if you like, would be felt in all aspects of our society. And so this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at God's promise that when we pray, our nation can be changed. When we pray, our nation can be changed. And by way of introduction, let me tell you a story about my son. My son Toby is four years old, and he's recently got into Lego. Now, when I say got into, I mean that my husband Tom couldn't wait any longer uh, and went out and bought him some Lego. And this has given license to lots of our male relatives uh, to buy even more Lego. We now have a lot of Lego in our house. Um, and often I'll be sitting there at the kitchen table with him, and I'll watch him trying to get this really small red brick onto this even smaller blue brick. And he'll be desperately trying to put them together. And I can see the frustration building and building and building. Because that's one of the characteristics of Lego. It's immensely frustrating when you're four years old and you're trying to get your brain to tell your hands what to do and you're struggling with sitting still for long periods of time. And he'll be desperately trying, getting stronger and stronger. And eventually, he'll just erupt. And he'll throw the Lego across the table. And he'll say, I just can't do it. Obviously, I talked to him about not throwing his toys. But I also say at that moment, well, darling, would you like me to help you with your Lego? Now, a couple of times, right in the early days of when we were doing Lego, he'd look at me and he'd say, no, 
it's too difficult even for you to do. Uh, for Toby, I know, the Lego is so difficult, the problem so immense, that he couldn't even imagine anyone being able to help him with it. What, you may be wondering, has that got to do with prayer? Well, Toby's relationship to Lego is, I think, a little bit like my relationship with praying for our nation. You see, the end result fills me with immense excitement. God healing our nation, the wrongs in society righted, his justice and righteousness flowing throughout every aspect of our society. Brilliant. Bring it on. I am so up for that. It's just that sometimes the problems within our nation seem so big that I can't even imagine them, how they'd get solved, and I become despondent. I seem to lack the stamina or the focus, or perhaps it's just that I lack the faith to pray that change comes about. Now, hear me. I'm not saying I'm bad at praying. I'm actually very good at praying. Very good at praying for myself and my issues. Uh, and, you know, to be fair, if I see something on the news and it catches my attention, I may manage a kind of quick one-line prayer. If it's particularly bad, I might manage two. But a um, but sort of continual, sustained prayer for the world is not something I'm so great at. So when I heard about this week of prayer, I was kind of torn. As I mentioned, on the one hand, I was, I was really excited. You see, I've seen the difference that prayer's made in my life, because I pray a lot for me, uh, and the difference it's made in the lives of my friends. But the other part of me, I think, was more reserved. I want to believe that prayer can change things, but things just seem so difficult right now in our society. Perhaps you can relate. Perhaps you're keen to pray, but you just don't know where to start. Or perhaps you've never really even thought about praying for our nation, and you're kind of curious to know why we shouldn't even if we should be praying for our nation. So hopefully this sermon will help to get us all excited, me included, about joining in with the rest of the church this week in praying for our nation. Hopefully it will raise our sights and restore our expectations and renew our confidence in God, who, as we saw in last week's sermon, is a God who promises to answer our prayers. So, praying for our nation, it is quite a big job, isn't it? There's a lot going on at the minute. We've got the NHS crisis, we've got human trafficking, the refugee crisis, we've got financial issues, corrupt politicians, educational crises. Where do we start? There's so much going on. I think it can be easy to think, okay, I get that God promised in the Bible the nation of Israel that he would move on their behalf and restore their land, but we live in the 21st century. Can these promises even be relevant for us today? What if our society is just too complicated and we are too different? I, um, you're going to be impressed by this, I used to work in theological education, it does sound fairly impressive, um, until I tell you that I actually worked more at the photocopying end of the theological education. Very important job. I used to photocopy all the lecture notes uh, and hand them out to people. The, the, the upside was I used to sit in on the lectures. Um, and one of the big things that the lecturers in this theological college would teach these people who were training to be vicars is that when you read the Bible, context is key. Context is key. There is no point taking a Bible verse and just kind of ignoring the surrounding verses or where it fits historically. You really need to do that stuff. And so when we look at God's promise to Jeremiah, it's really useful for us, I think, to understand a bit of the time that Jeremiah was living in. He lived in the kingdom of Judah, and for a long time the kingdom of Judah had been oppressed by the Assyrian Empire. 
And what that meant was that the local people had kind of adopted the religious practices of the Assyrian Empire and of the surrounding nations. There was a lot of religious diversity at the time. There was a whole plethora of gods worshipped, um, many of whom demanded some pretty gruesome religious obligations, actually. And Jeremiah, if you read the book of Jeremiah, spends much of his time just crying out against this and going, this is awful, this is horrendous what's going on. Similarly, in his lifetime, later on, then the Babylonian Empire invades, and they basically take the top tier of society, the kind of political and social elite, and they cart them off into exile, and they destroy the temple. So there was huge political upheaval going on as well. And in addition to religious diversity and political upheaval, there was the usual problems of slavery and extreme poverty and social injustice. It can be easy for us to look back at these promises and look back at sort of Bible times with rose-tinted glasses. But actually, there were some serious, serious problems running throughout society in the time of Jeremiah. It was a society in many ways not too dissimilar to our own. And although that's sad, actually, I find that really reassuring. You see, God's not looking at our society and going, wow, I had no idea things were going to get so bad. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I did the promise back then when things were a little bit easier to solve. I don't even know where to start today. Sorry. No. God has made his promises about prayer and healing within the context of society that was horribly messed up. So we can take comfort from that and courage. God's promises are just as applicable today as they were back then, which is great. So now we need to ask, how do we go about claiming these promises? And by that I mean, how do we go about asking God to heal our nation? What things do we have to do? Turn with me, if you will, unless you've already got it open, to 2 Chronicles again, chapter 7 uh, and verse 14. It's on page 442, if you still have your Bibles. In this promise, God lists four things that we, as God's people, need to do when we pray for our nation. So let's read it again. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name, that's us, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I, will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. So, the four things. First of all, we need to humble ourselves. It doesn't mean thinking that we are nothing. We're God's people. We have immense value and worth. It just means putting ourselves in the right position in relation to God, basically saying, we don't have all the answers, nor do we need to. God is God, and he is on the throne. So, we need to humble ourselves. Second of all, we need to pray. We need to actually ask God to move. We need to call out to him in confident trust that he will hear us. So we need to pray. Thirdly, we need to seek his face. This means to worship. Coming together and praising God communally for who he is. Of course, we can pray for our nation in our private prayers, which is excellent. But actually, these verses show us that there's real power in coming together and praying for God to move. And the fourth thing is we need to turn from our wicked ways. That's about repentance. That means that kind of recognizing anything that would cause a barrier between us and God, we need to get rid of it before we come to God and pray. When we do these things, God promises to do three things. He will hear from heaven, he will forgive our sin, and he will heal our land. Notice God doesn't say here, I might do these things, or if I'm having a good day and I feel like it, I'll respond. No. No, there's absolutely no uncertainty here. God says he will, he will, he will. And that is astonishing. It's astonishing. 
The God of the universe allows us, his people, to determine the shape of our nation. Isn't that amazing? That's a huge responsibility. He's allowed us to do that. We can petition him to change our nation. It doesn't mean that God's like a genie who's kind of forced into doing our bidding, but it means that God allows himself to be bound by his promises to us. And in this instance, his promise is that he will hear us and he will act on it. He will hear us and he will act. So as we saw this week at Holy Trinity, there's going to be loads of events helping us to pray for our nation. But I thought, as this is a sermon on prayer, we should probably do some. Don't panic. Um, I've put together a fairly basic slideshow. Um, computers are not my forte. Uh, and there's going to be lots of different images throughout the slideshow of aspects of our society. And you can use this however you like. You can pick one image that really speaks to you, and you can just pray for that one image. Maybe you're really passionate about the NHS at the minute. Pray for that image. Pray that God's kingdom would come in the NHS. Or, if you're, or you can look at each image and go, God, your kingdom come, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. Or there's going to be some music going on as well. You can just sit and worship God. You can seek his face. So that's what we're going to do. The slideshow is about four minutes, and at the end, I'm going to come back, and we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer again together. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We're going to continue in an attitude of prayer, and we're going to go on to our intercessory prayers now.